Hello, friends. Today's episode contains discussions of suicide. We understand that this is a sensitive and difficult topic for many individuals, and we want to ensure that everyone feels safe and supported. Suicide is a complex and deeply personal issue that affects millions of people worldwide. Our intention is not to glamorize or trivialize suicide, but to foster a compassionate and informative conversation about mental health, raising awareness, and promoting understanding. It's important to remember that if you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, it's crucial to seek professional help immediately. Consider reaching out to a mental health professional, a trusted friend, or a helpline in your country. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Remember, you are not alone. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode. A... In the Flesh episode, In the Flesh season one, episode two, which means we're at the midpoint of season. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're at 66.66 continuing percent of yep. season one because there's only three episodes. So, yeah. Which seems crazy. I mean, yeah, because it was 2013. Now you'd be like, oh, okay, it's a limited series. That's fine. Right. I love how we don't call them mini series anymore. We call them limited series. That's fine. Um, no, they were like, it's fine. We're British. It's our prerogative to do whatever the fuck we want. And we are going to be releasing three episodes. And you're going to say thank you. And that's going to be it. That's going to be it. Okay. We might even say you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yeah. It's wild because this is pre streaming, really. So you're not thinking in terms of like, oh, however many episodes we need to tell the story is how long this will be. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking like all the other production costs to get this all set up. Yeah. And then they only did three episodes. Yeah. So did something happen? No, I think it was only meant to be It was three. only planned to be three? I think so. Hmm. As far If anybody else knows differently, I mean, I'd love to know because the next season is longer, far longer. Twice as long. Twice as long. Yeah, twice as long. <laughs> it's 200% longer. It's like six episodes. I think it's probably what, you know how they used to do that where you'd, a show would go off the air prematurely and you'd have to put something in and you'd like, like the first season of Buffy, for example, mm. the first season of Buffy is like 12 episodes long because you, you were an episode had or a season, like blah, 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 blah. a show, a show had, had gotten aired. canceled, mm -hmm. and so they took it off the air because no one halfway was watching through the it. season, halfway through the season, and then they put one in that was waiting in the wings. Well, here's something that might be worth watching. Yeah, here, here's something different. Let's see if we can catch anyone's attention. If we do, then we can continue it next season in that same slot, and if not, we can come up with something different. It was a game of numbers, advertising numbers, in a way that it's not now. Now With it's a captive just audience. Attracting attention. It's a um, the attention economy as opposed to how many um, viewers can we say watch this so we can claim ad revenue? It's how right. many subscribers can we attract to the platform using these flagship shows? Which I just found out they took Willow off of Discovery uh, off of Disney Plus. Wait, they took it off? The Willow series is gone off of Disney+. Plus. They like were you like, you can't even uh -uh. watch it anymore? They were like, well, I hope you guys like that. It's gone now. Oof. So I'm, I'm on this subreddit yeah. called Data Hoarders. I thought about that. I'm and not, yeah. it's full of people. Like, this is a common refrain where we need to back this up yeah. before they take it away. It's coming. It's coming. Previously, is, yeah, yeah. Even now, a lot of times you can still find physical media. Yeah, and physical media is great for people who want to make sure that they have access to it. This is exactly the justification. Yeah, for having physical media or other means of getting a an alternative copy. Yeah. It feels like this is the next logical step in the streaming war. Mm. Is making we, it so exclusive. Yeah, making uh scarcity. 
driving up the scarcity. So we've had an overabundance. We have an overabundance of supply. And there's literally only so much demand because only so you can only afford so many streaming services. And so now that Netflix has been charging more and a lot of other places are charging more. And cracking down on password sharing. Yeah. So people are like, okay, well, I'm going to cancel Netflix. I will join it again when Witcher 3 comes out and then I'll cancel it again. And so after the entire season airs, we'll join Netflix again. Yeah. And then we'll binge the entire season and cancel it. Yeah. And then ditch it. And I think that that's what you're going to see a lot of people doing, which is why you're going to see these shows coming up and then like, oh, they're only available for the next, you know, once all these episodes are done airing, they're only going to stay up on Netflix for two weeks and then we're taking them all down and we're not sure when we're going to put them back up again. Or where. Or where. So you need to be subscribed the entire time to watch them all because are you really thinking you're going to find the time to watch them in the two weeks that they're going to be up after they're done airing? I don't know. I mean, this was reality. This was reality before. You watched a television show and then it disappeared into the ether. It wasn't until I was in high school that television shows started even coming out on DVD. And you were like, holy shit, I can rewatch those? That's amazing. Oh, my God. And we've gotten used to it. And now I think we're going to like Disney. Remember when Disney used to do like we're taking them out of the vault. Oh, this yes. Is coming, coming out, out of, of the, the vault. vault for a limited time. And then it's going to go back in limited the vault. time physical media release. Right. And if you if you want it, you got to buy it now because otherwise it's going to be gone. And we yeah. don't know when we're going to take it out of the vault again. Yeah. But before we go too much farther. Oh, sorry. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Rachel. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. conspiracy theory corner this morning (laughs) evening whatever it is about uh, streaming services i just thought that was wild i was like damn that just aired so i don't know i think as we keep saying we're in a transitory period we're in a we're in a period of transition it's like in the it's like in the early 2000s yeah look up listeners look up all the different kinds and shapes of cell phones (laughs) <laughs> in the early 2000s, it right. was an experimental period in what shape should a phone be? Yeah. And it's an iterative evolutionary process, survival of the fittest, and now we have smartphones. And now we have smart. They all look the same. And they're all the same, basically the same aspect ratio rectangle. Yep. I had another point I was going to make, and I got caught up in your cell phone discussion. Oh, the streaming. We're in a transi- transitional oh, period I was of streaming. Quote Babylon 5. <gasps> yep. We grow in periods of transition to be born in moments of revelation. That's a good one. Yeah. So back to In the Flesh. Season two, season one, episode two. Good episode. This one was not as dense this or was a expository. Little, a little lighter. Well, we had the the last one was jumping off the diving board and getting in the pool. Right. And now we're in the pool. Especially when there's only going to be three episodes. Right. So they didn't have to shove us off the end of the board quite so hard this time. because We can ride the wave now. We're already swimming. So we've already got sad, partially deceased sufferer, Kieran, who is at home all by himself. And the setup is his dad's going to stay at home with him today. Because they're having a ceremony to honor the people who were killed during the Rising. And they weren't going to tell him about it. They aren't telling him a lot of things. This is a theme. This is a theme. A pattern, if you will. how does it feel like this is working for them? And Mm. yet they continue doing it. Uh, They're trying to do what's best for him. 
Right. They're just, their idea of what's best for him isn't treating him as an autonomous, sovereign individual. I can't imagine being in their positions because the last time they trusted him to be a sovereign individual. Oh, yeah. He 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 didn't make the kinds of choices they had hoped he would make. Right. Let's put it that way. And now they're being asked to trust him again. And literally the last time that they did, the worst possible thing happened. So for them, the worst possible thing for them happened. So, I mean, I get it. I get it. Is it a great way to go about it? No. Do they have a good way to go about it? No. There's no right answer for them. So they're just doing their best. So he's at home alone by himself. And we get this. Oh, yeah, because his dad gets called into work. Yeah. Well, because, well, first his dad's trying to administer the medication. And he's like, you know how to do this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I read it. I read the pa- I read the packet like and then he does three it times. And he does, well, he does it okay, but he does it like too fast. And he's Awkwardly. like, no, no, don't, don't. And then somebody's coming to look at the house. So he shoves them in the cupboard under the stairs. And we get this cool, cool flashback where he's waking up in his coffin and having to get out of his coffin. Because he's like, I don't like enclosed spaces. Uh, one time I woke up and I had been dead and I wasn't dead anymore. And I was in a coffin. And I had to dig my way out. Shit got real. And his dad opens the door and he is like, he's having a panic attack. He's having like a PTSD episode. And he's like, do these happen a lot? And he's like, yeah, when I'm stressed, dad. And so his dad ends up getting called away. And he's like, you know, what? it's fine. Just leave me alone. It's cool. I'll be all right. And as soon as his dad leaves, he's like, all right, bam, all systems go. So he's ready to get out. He's got to get some fresh air. And he ends up taking his dad's hoodie and heading to the cemetery, but not the cemetery where they have been burying people since the rising, but the cemetery where everybody rose. Where he rose. Where he rose. And so I love the old quarantine sign and then all the like fraying caution tape. Mm-hmm. As if it's been so long, because it has been years and years since well, this happened. It's been like four years, yeah, years since the rising, yeah, and it's probably been two to three years before anybody's maintained any of this stuff, right? And it's it's pretty cool the way they they set this up, and he ends up going in there and he finds his grave and he's kind of having a moment, and then he hears somebody talking. Having a conversation with their nan. Can I just say how much I love Amy? Amy's character does a lot of different stuff, but I really enjoy her as a character. And so she's a little different from Kieran because she knew she was going to die. And she she makes that very clear from the beginning because she's like, oh, I love your epitaph. Did you pick it? And he's like, why would I, who picks their own epitaph? And she's like, well, if you have time, you do. So she, <laughs> she quotes it. And then we pan down to her. To great, her epitaph. Yeah. To her epitaph. And there it is carved on her tombstone. And she even says she had a will, which was very specific. Mm. It's, it's not a tombstone once the body's not there anymore. It's a cenotaph. Yeah, I know. Thank we, you. You're welcome. Thank you for that. Yes, her cenotaph is it is engraved on there, and it's like, um, "Do not go gentle into that good night." Rage, rage, rage against, against the dying, dying of, of the, the light. light. <laughs> she does it. She just delivers it, and I love this because this is the manic pixie dream girl. She's the manic pixie dream girl, right? That's who she is. But right. Kieran is not the love interest. Right. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl is typically the um, irresistible love interest. Yeah. Because she conflicts so much in a complimentary way with the main character. She does the thing that every man dreams a woman would do, which is love him without him having to put any work into the relationship. Not every man. I love you, honey. Most unearned men. positive regard. Yeah, un- unearned love is what the manic pixie dream girl often bestows upon the male lead with which she is paired, and that is not where we are going with Kieran. And so Amy gets to be this fun, quirky, independent character. 
She's the extrovert that adopts yes. the unwilling introvert right. and drags them along yes. for an adventure. <laughs> she yes, she adopts him, and now through they're... all the things that he knows he needs to do, yeah, but is not psychologically equipped to actually execute. Yeah, but she... it's no problem for her. No. She's basically like, I know, I have an idea. Let's be best friends forever. And then they spend the rest of the episode together because she's like, well, I'm going to be here. I guess you're going to go home and look at pictures of the past and live your life, live the life that you had in minute detail and wallow in your aloneness and spend more time being alone. And he's like, how did you know? He just gives her a look. She (laughs) says, I'm psychic. I'm psychic. And he says, well, how did you stop doing that? And she's like, Day trips. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love the detail of how much better her makeup is than right. his makeup. Because she knows how to apply makeup. Right. There's the part where she is female. She grew up as a female in in England, in a Western yeah. culture. Yeah. Whatever. She knows how to put on makeup. Yeah. But also, she's trying, <laughs> which is in contrast to Kieran, yeah, who has, up till this moment, had no expectation of actually going outside. Right, he does it for his family. This is a he was not going outside to actually be seen by people. Right, he was going outside to have some alone time. Right, it's the bare minimum. That's right. what he's doing. He's doing the bare minimum. And she's not. She's all in. And that's where they're different. And that's kind of what the theme of the episode is. Is why, what is Kieran holding back for? What's he holding back for? So she takes him to a carnival. And they have some pretty interesting discussions. She's like, what's humanity most afraid of? What is every single person terrified of? Death. Well, we don't have to worry about it anymore. Because it already happened. So, check mark in that box. We get to go on with our not lives and do whatever we want without the threat of death hanging over us because fuck it, we already did that, which is a good point. Like, mm-hmm. we are super liberated. And she quotes a couple of things that leads him to ask, like, are you, are you following the undead prophet guy? And she's like, my, I subscribe to his YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a couple, you know. And Kieran's like, I don't know, this this seems a little hinky, but he gets recognized at the carnival, and he ends up walking home. Uh, running. Running home. I wonder if they get tired. I mean, are, do their hearts beat? If their hearts don't beat, would they get tired? I was wondering if they have to breathe. They wouldn't necessarily. Because later, Rick is heaving, because Rick has been ignoring all of the instructions about... His new lifestyle and the dietary restrictions, and he's vomiting violently into the toilet, and then he's gasping heavily in between. And I thought, do they need to breathe? It might is be a it learned a con- behavior, right? It's probably he is he's in denial about what he actually is. I don't think he's in denial. I think he knows exactly what he is. I think he cannot stand up to his father. Right. And he's he's denying himself to keep up the image for his dad's sake. Yeah. Well, I guess for his dad's perception of him. Yes. To maintain that relationship that he had with his dad before. Right. And he's probably so caught up in this self-denial that he's just doing everything that he knows how to do to maintain the illusion, which is all of the little things that humans, a living humans normally do. Right. So we found out at the end of the last episode that the bad guy, Bill, um, his son Rick was coming home. Um, partially alive, which is the same as to say partially deceased. And so that also is kind of the running through the episode theme. And I do like the moment 
when so Bill goes to the the ceremony mm-hmm. and they're expecting to have him to give a speech about you know killing robbers. all the same and, things that he's been talking about yeah, for the last four years to, to toe the party line for everybody so to keep up the idea that you know zombies bad people good come on bill let's talk about it and bill's like actually my son rick is coming home and i expect your support in this i expect you to be with me on this and then he just leaves and then the whole group goes to wait for his son to come home a welcome party yeah and when rick comes out of the back of the truck his dad is overjoyed to see him and he shakes his hand and he kisses his mother and he, Rick nods and waves and smiles at everybody and then heads inside. And you're kind of like, oh, this is going to be a turning point. Like Bill's going to get it. He's going to realize that Rick is a person. But if there is one person above all others who is unconsciously bullshitting themselves about what reality is, it's Bill. I think Bill is consciously bullshitting himself because the next time we see him, we don't, we realize he has fooled himself into believing that his son is different. Right. Despite the fact that he literally has staples holding part of his face together because they don't heal. So that's got to be held together. He's like, no, he's not like the others. He's not that. That's not him. He's a war hero. I mean, he is a war hero, but not a war hero because he's a police action hero. <laughs> But he cannot admit that Kieran and Rick and the other partially deceased syndrome sufferers are all the same. His son must be something special, must be something different. Because the first thing he does is like, give him a beer. Drink that and then we're headed out. And he goes in his room and we have been insinuating pretty heavily that Kieran and Rick had some kind of a close relationship. How close it was and whether it was... Im- we have not explicated Yeah, yet. we have not directly stated what their relationship was. But I... I <laughs> there's a lot of pictures of half-naked women in his room. There's a lot of masking yeah. that Rick is doing. And you get the idea... For his dad's sake. That he has lived a life of performance, of having to be on stage for his dad, being the masculine son, that his, the overtly, toxically masculine son that his dad wanted him to be. Because his dad wants to live vicariously through him. Right. He wanted, he wanted a strong son. And toxic masculinity states... That any contact with the feminine is... Is so dangerous. It's so dangerous to masculinity that you cannot even play with the idea of femininity because it will destroy masculinity. Yeah. And that's been the life that he's had to lead. And that's not actually who he is. But his dad's not interested in who he actually is. He wasn't before, and he certainly isn't fucking now. Right. Even before Rick died, yeah, they were both playing along with this illusion that Rick was portraying. Yeah. And that makes it fairly easy to continue. You were already, like, almost consciously playing along with this illusion. Yeah. And now you're just picking up where you left off. We'll just swap out homosexual for partially deceased. That's fine. Or add to it. Or add to it. We'll just put that in the pile. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that on the plate with all the rest. With all the other analogies. Yeah, because the first thing he does with his dad is they go shooting. Like, welcome home, son. Let's go shoot some guns. And this is when he finds out that he's trying to figure out surreptitiously... What happened to Kieran? What's Kieran up yeah. to? Oh, I saw Jem Walker in the group. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened to her brother? Uh, what was his name? Kieran or whatever? You know, did did he go into art school and did he end up happy? And does he live in Paris? And uh, can I go visit him? But 
that's not what he can say. So he's just like, oh, you know, what, whatever happened to him? And um, the mom's like, well, you know, they had a bad patch a couple of years back. And he's like, oh, what, what, what happened? And his dad's like, oh, yeah, he killed himself. Because the Very dad never liked him anyway. Yeah, a weak death for a weakling is what he says. Wow. 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 Yeah. Okay. And so, all right. You know that moment when Rick got out of the car and his dad walked over and shook his hand and you were like, oh, this is going to really turn the tide of this episode of this series. Um, yeah, that was all lies. It was a lie. Because it's not. And I think that's the one thing we forget until you watch a lot of BBC programming is there's no plot armor for anything. Right. So, yeah, he takes Rick to the bar and they're going to drink. They're celebrating him coming back. We're going to get you leathered, he says. We're going to get you drunk because you're back. You're a war hero. Everybody should be celebrating you. And so poor Rick is drinking beer after beer. And... We're going to celebrate this the only way that Bill knows how to celebrate anything. Yeah. By getting drunk. Yeah. At the pub with the bros. With the boys. With the boys. And so poor Rick is throwing everything up, throwing up black bile because it's toxic for them to eat or drink anything. Meanwhile, Kieran is back at home, not having dinner with his family. Having dinner, but not having dinner. Maintaining the illusion. And the doorbell rings. And his mom goes because she thinks it's one of her friends. But it turns out it's our new best friend. Hi, Amy. Amy. Amy Dyer, which is also supposed to be a pun, like Walker. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. And so she gets some of the funniest dialogue in in the series. Oh, she does. Yeah. Yeah. She challenges all of the bullshitting that everybody is doing to themselves and each other. Yeah, just by actively engaging with everyone and asking questions. In a sincere way. In a sincere and sometimes forceful way. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. She's, dr- she's sincerely directly challenging everyone. Yeah. Like, it's clear his sister is not accepting him because she's not even eating with them. And so Amy goes over and sits at the table and she's like, oh, is your hair naturally that color? And Jim's like, yeah, it grows this way. And she goes, <laughs> you know, I tried to dye my hair. She just, she has an anecdote ready to tell her. And it ends up running her off. Because all she's being is friendly. Mm-hmm. But the prejudice runs so deep that that feels like an attack. Even though it's really just her being friendly. Right. It was, it was Amy. Okay. If Jem had actually been open to having an honest interaction with Amy, that anecdote would have been an invitation for Jem to share an anecdote. Yeah. And it would have been a, an, you know, uh, anecdotal conversation. Um, bonding moment. I'm trying to think like excitable, uh, excite, um, energetic. Mm. An energetic, anecdotal conversation. Yeah. But the only thing making this negative is Jem's interpretation of Amy's anecdote. Right. So I forgot Jem's name for a moment. So Jem takes, perceives that as a challenge and she feels threatened. So yeah. she leaves. Yep. And so Amy just turns her attention to the parents. She's like, oh. This food looks really good. And they're like, oh, do you want some? Or are you hungry? And she goes, oh, no, my insides are quite decrepit. <laughs> she goes, I tried to eat a Mars bar the other day. I had to throw away my knickers and my skirt. <laughs> That's when Karen's like, let's go upstairs. Let's go to my room. She's like, ah, yes, where the magic happens. <laughs> Deliberately making everyone as uncomfortable as possible. Yes. Because if you're comfortable, you're not growing. You're not growing. If you are uncomfortable... There's a chance you're growing. There's a chance. Yes. Okay. Thank you for the qualifier. So they head upstairs and they actually get a little bit of heartfelt bonding conversation. Cause she tells them like, I died of leukemia. And it right. She sucked. stands up and is unbuttoning her shirt. And he's yeah. like, what is going on? He's like, nope, nope. Not really where the magic happens. I don't have a heartbeat. <laughs> but she's, 
so uh, one of the ways that I've heard um, like a um, a more intimate relationship described, it, like friendship, is reciprocal disclosure. Yeah. Where I disclose I disclose something to you that makes me slightly vulnerable, and that's an invitation for you to do the same to me. Yeah. And that bonds us closer together. She's disclosing the vulnerable fact that she died of leukemia. At 21. And how, how much that hurt her, just psychologically, emotionally. Yeah. And, and so now she wants to know, how did you die? Well, she asks him, what was your last thought? Because she right, says her right. last that's, thought was... It's, that's her emotional bid yeah. for him to share. And she says her last thought was that this was all so unfair. It felt like she was being benched before she even got to play the game. And she said, well, what was your last thought? And he goes, I don't know. Relief. And she's like, how did you die, Kieran Walker? And you, like, she, the way she plays this, this actress... Yeah. She sells it. Yeah. She is hurt yeah for him for him yeah because i think have having actually died yeah from a disease and not unwillingly yeah and but being hungry for life she appreciates more than almost anybody else how much he must have been suffering to do what he did yeah and so she feels for the Kieran of before he died. Yeah. And it she conveys it extremely well. And I love her reaction, which is just a hug. Yep. It's not, let's talk about it. Let me fix it. Let me be angry at you. Let me be angry at the situation or whatever. It's just like, bring it in. Let's, let's hug this out. And it's a genuine, like, I feel so strongly in this moment for you that I just need to to offer you comfort wordless comfort and it's it's well done and I love that that is the reaction that it's not let's fix this right that only makes me like Amy's character even more right because it's not all surface she acts like it's all surface but it's not all surface and Meanwhile, Jem has gotten angry because she's just an angry character. And she goes off to try to be a part of the HVF and go on patrols and do the patrol stuff that she likes to do. And they're like, actually, no, your brother was seen at a fun fair, which means he's been home and you haven't told us about it. And so now. And you're out. Yep. You're out. You're on their side now. And so she's like, this fucking sucks. Right. And she goes back home and in revenge, she tells him that Rick is back. Because she knows how much it would hurt Kieran to find out that Rick is also partially deceased. Well, Kieran knew that Rick well, was dead. And uh, okay. Let me let me rephrase that. She tells Kieran that Rick is still alive as revenge against her parents. Yes. So that Kieran, to turn Kieran against their parents, because they hid this from him. Just to sow dissent. Right. Yeah, chaos. To Just to sow chaos. And it works. It works. He is pissed at his parents. Right, because they knew Rick was back and they chose not to tell him. And especially Kieran's mom yeah. knew how important Rick was to Kieran. Yeah. So he leaves. He's like, fine, I'm going. And Amy goes with him. Which, when Amy arrives at the house, she's not wearing any of her makeup. She said she's decided to go. All naturale. All naturale. So they go to the pub. And he's like, oh, no, we we can't go in there. She's like, it's just a pub. I really sympathize with that. Yeah. She's like, he's just, it's just a pub. Like, I have to go in there and, like, interact with people yeah but as he Uh, says they hated me before i was like this i was already not like them and they already hated me for it 
And now you want me to go in there and confront them? And she's like, well, you want to see Rick? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, is Rick in there? Yes. Then we are going in there. And let's, drags him in. Let's do this shit. So she pulls him in and she's like, anybody want to take a picture? It'll last longer. Because she's obviously partially deceased because she's not wearing any of her makeup. And Philip, Philip, who we met last time, he's the one who pretended to be looking at porn rather than right. have been outing people on his mom's laptop. So he comes up to them and he has made a partially a PDS side area, a PDS segregate, a separate but equal area for the PDS sufferers. And he's like, well, why don't you come over here? And poor Kieran is trying to talk to him. He's like, oh, Philip, you went into politics. That's great. You really you really wanted to go into politics because he hasn't seen these people in four years. Everyone's right. grown and moved on with their lives while he's been gone. And Philip's like, yeah, you know, this it's hard. It's a little bit stressful. And Amy goes, yeah, do you find yourself taking people over to be in segregated areas all by themselves? Oh, yeah. She's not... Um... She's not participating in this delusion, this this right. willful delusion that everyone else is participating in, that this is okay. She's not willing to agree to the social contract of saying that this is okay. Right. Which luckily, the PDS segregated area is the corridor to the bathroom. And Rick, who has been throwing all this stuff up, comes out. And man, the moment when Kieran and Rick see each other is uh is charged. You're like, yep. oh my god, these two people just want to run and hug each other right now. But I think Kieran would. Yeah. But Rick can't. He can't. He's trapped. In he is this in a prison of context. his father's making. Yeah. And he's been in it so long, he doesn't even see the bars anymore. He just thinks that this is the right thing to do, is to be the boy his dad wants him to be, be the man his dad wants him to be. And that type of man doesn't love Kieran Walker like Rick loves Kieran Walker. The only way that that kind of man can touch another man is with a handshake. Yeah. And that's what he does. Or maybe with a fist or a foot if you're fighting. Yeah. What a lonely, hard life toxic yeah. masculinity is. <sighs> isolating. Very isolating. Yeah. I can't imagine never being able to seek the comfort of touch because that might be perceived as feminine. Right. I. It's only been recently that, like, if I want to give a guy friend a hug, that that's a, like, an easy thing. Yeah. And I think that feminism is important, obviously. It's not just feminism. Liberation of all people is important. But men, and men especially, get um, a little bit overlooked. Not because they... How should I phrase this? So society is designed for you. It is. For... Um, for, for, for the kind of productive activities that men typically engage in. Yeah. Like anything to do with money or um, I guess like community engagement. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, organ like power structures, yeah. whatever. Everything's been kind of pushed toward, oh, you're a heterosexual white man. Yes, yes, you can go in. Just check check right? that box. Off, awesome. So yes, the patriarchy is very, very real. I'm not denying that. But the patriarchy is this nebulous confluence of male energy that we are all fighting. But there are individual men who are caught up in the fight simply because they have an X and a Y chromosome in the same way that women are caught up in the fight simply because they're women. And... I see this a lot in like the Sarah J. Mass books that I read with Kate and Hannah, mm -hmm. which is the women are allowed to be super, super, super emotional and reactive, and it's okay. But anytime a man goes through something traumatic, he had better goddamn be fine when he gets out the other side, 
or he's not manly enough to be even considered a love interest. So in A Court of Thorns and Roses, there is a character who is, this is kind of a little bit of a spoiler alert, but he is imprisoned as a sex slave for over 50 years. 50 And not only a sex slave, but also a psychic assassin. Yeah, he's forced to murder people and perform bedroom services for the bad guy for 50 years. And do you know whose mental health we focus on for like two books? The illiterate 19-year-old who had to kill a guy one time. But still had a family. But still had a family and has never been in, certainly wasn't imprisoned, enslaved for 50 years. Right. She got hungry sometimes. Yeah. He doesn't get to be sick at all. He doesn't get to get help. He doesn't get to, okay, anyway. We've meandered a little bit away from the point, which really is just that everyone, look guys, we all need to We're really hitting this hard in the show. Yes. That yeah. both of them. Okay. Uh, suffering is any loss of agency. Yeah. They're suffering because they don't have the agency. They don't have the social freedom yeah. to actually be with each other the way that they want to be with each other. Yes. Whether or not that is like physically intimate or whatever. Maybe they just want to give each other a hug. Maybe they just want to talk about who they are. Yeah. And like Rick is was really excited about Kieran's art career. Yeah. But the only chance that they could have talked about it on the way over here. Yeah. Right. Except that Rick's dad is there. Right. And it would be an embarrassment to Bill for Rick to show a sincere interest in Kieran's art. Yeah, to show a sincere interest in Kieran, period. To show, almost to show a sincere interest in anything. Yeah, that doesn't have tits. Mm, even to be like fully engaged it's probably in the, the pursuit. warrior archetype. He's got to be the warrior archetype. The, you can't be attached to anything. Right. Because that's... Your only purpose know, like, is fucking and fighting. And that's it. Right, without any... Without the emotional engagement. Right. Yes. Purely just... You, you lose yourself in both of those things. Yeah. And that's what you do. And when you come out, you don't have any emotional attachment to the activity, either F activity. Yeah. And... Uh, and you just go about being a man. Yeah, you right? just walk away from everything with like Michael Bay explosions in the background. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they do actually finally get to have a conversation because we find out that there's an actual rabid rotter mm. in the woods. There's an untreated PDS sufferer. Yes. Rabid. Rabid's the, yeah. the term they use. So there's a rabid in the woods. And they go to get it, and Kieran goes with them. we get this moment where it's this man zombie and little girl zombie. Yeah. And the man zombie has brought back a sheep and rips off a chunk and gives it to the little girl. Yeah. And she's just slowly eating it. And they're not aggressive. They're not hostile towards... The humans until they get attacked. Right. And Kieran's like, oh, Like, kinda... okay, maybe we're all the zombies are not the monsters that they're being made out to be. Maybe even the zombies are not one-dimensional monsters in this show. How about that? How about that? And they end up subduing them. And then Rick is going to kill them because Bill tells him to. He's like, all right, now, do your duty, son. Shoot him. And Rick's going to do it. And to Kieran's credit, he stands in front of Rick's rifle, and he's like, right. what if, are you doing? If there's one person that Kieran can be emotionally vulnerable in front of, it's Rick. Yeah. If this was anybody else, 
Kieran would not have been able to stand up to him. Right. Be- but because Rick and Kieran have participated in this reciprocal disclosure, they've been together. Yeah. At least on it, like really, really, really close friends. Well, they mentioned fool around. That's right. what they talk about. They got in that. drunk and fooled around. Yeah, we drank a bottle of white nightling. We fooled around. You said see you later, and then you left. Like you went to boot camp, and I never saw you again. And he's like, "Well, yeah, I thought if I just left, you could be done with me." And he's like, "Done with you? How could I just be done with you?" <laughs> they not they didn't say it, but it's like you were everything. Like we were together. We were us. Right, even even in that moment, they still can't use the L word. Yeah, we we still can't talk about how we feel about each other in definite terms. They can't name the thing. Right. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. And they finally, like, of course, because Bill calls them on the radio, they have to go. And then we get this moment where Kieran's standing in front of his rifle and he's like, would you shoot me? And he takes his contact off because he's like, we're playing at Let's being Let's make people. this visual. We're playing at being people, but we still are what we are. We are still partially, dis- we're still the same as them. Right. They are like us. They're like me. They're like you. Yeah, they're just untreated. And he ends up convincing them with money. He's like, what are they worth? And hey, credit to Karen yeah. for- The pivot. The pivot, yeah. Yeah, the emotional bid's not going to work on these people, but- Money talks. Aren't they worth more alive? I th- here's here's an angle. The emotional bid of, like, for me, Rick, can you just not kill these people for me? And Rick's kind of not going along with it. So yeah. He's like, I know that Rick will cave to social pressure, Let's peer go. pressure. Hey, peers, pressure Rick into not killing this person. These two right. untreated people. And it works. Yep. And he tells him, look, you don't have to do what he says anymore. You don't have to do what your dad says anymore. What's the worst that could happen? You die? Come on. Get it together. And that's more or less where we leave it off. Yeah. I think Kieran just walks away from there. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. Okay, so we finally know why Kieran did what he did and we finally know what how capable Bill is of lying to himself and to all the people around him because he is actively encouraging everyone to participate in his delusion he needs them to all be participating in his delusion or it will all fall apart right which is why he has him at the pub and why he is forcing everyone to drink with him and have drinks and accept him because they have to accept him so that he can accept him. And it's it's interesting that this show even added that much of a layer to what could have been a very one-dimensional, hateful character in Bill. The only buddy, only person we didn't bother to add any depth to is the minister. Yeah, the minister is pretty one-dimensional. Right. I mean, the most interaction we got was they want to start getting paid. The, vol- the HVF, which is the human volunteer force, would like to start getting paid for patrols. Right, because they're getting more responsibility. Yeah. Because Bill's busy. Yeah. So... That's it. End of episode. Ready for the ultimate, the finale, the season one finale, which would be next. And I was peeking through the second season, and I am not actually sure that I watched the second season. So I'm really looking forward to finding that out for myself. Yeah. I don't remember the second season. It was 10 years ago, so. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I know last week was a pretty heavy episode, but it was a heavy episode. And I felt like we needed to, to hang our laundry out for everybody to see before we got started. Yeah, we, need, I mean. we needed to lay the foundation for where we were our ongoing from. conversations. Well, where we were coming from yeah. in this discussion, which is, as always, every individual person has the right to make the choices about their own life. 
and you don't get to comment. That's why I don't like my YouTube comments on. That's why I don't. I sent you a thing on Instagram today that was like the death of expertise. Yes. And how we are allowing. Yes, the equivalence of perspectives. Yes. How we are allowing people who have five minutes of Google to have a say over anything in anybody's life ever. And how wild that is that everyone feels entitled to comment about things about that they are not a part of at all. It's not their life. And a direct outgrowth of that is where we are now. Right. And that's dystopian and horrific. So I think we can get better. I think we can do better. But I think we all have to work for it. And we all have to say it. And we don't have, we have to not participate in the delusion. We have to not let the bills of the world wrap us up in their lies and force us to do the work of upholding the lie for them. I think I'm going to leave it there. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love and who you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. You are listening to a Strange and Beautiful Network podcast, a network of shows focusing on unscripted discussions that promote positive but honest engagement with all the weird and wonderful topics that make our hearts happy. I want to take a moment to express my heartfelt gratitude to all our listeners. Your continuous support and engagement mean the world to us. So if you're enjoying the show, make sure to spread the love, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Strange and Beautiful Network to stay updated on the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes peaks, and exclusive content from all our shows. You can also find additional ways to support this show on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash strangeandbeautifulnetwork. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to bonus episodes, early releases, our Discord channel, and other exciting perks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.